Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. We're in a, a series, an exciting study on the gifts of the Spirit. You know, the gifts of the Spirit are so powerful. They're everywhere in the Bible. And they have tremendous power to change people's lives. They, they bring the Spirit of God on the scene in a supernatural way that really touches people's hearts. They're powerful. In fact, when it talks about in 2 Corinthians 10 that the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, you know, nine of those weapons are the, the nine gifts of the Spirit because they're able to destroy strongholds and suddenly let people realize that God loves them, God knows about them, and it brings them to con a conviction of their sin, of God's love for them, and it will change their life whether it's a gift of healing or the working of a miracle or a prophecy or a revelation. And the nine gifts of the Spirit are given in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read that. For the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he will. So there are three revelation gifts, three power gifts, three utterance gifts. And the highest gift is listed first. The first two are revelation gifts, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. And we'll see that they often work together. Um, and in this series, we're going to look at these gifts one by one. This time we're going to look at the word of knowledge. And next time the word of wisdom. And they're the two of the highest gifts. Let's define it first of all. The word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation by the spirit of certain facts in the mind of God. It's a small portion, a word as it were, of God's knowledge of present or past facts which otherwise we could not know. Not by study or by experience. This isn't to be confused with the word of wisdom which gives supernatural direction, tells us what to do. And this word of wisdom is usually based on a revelation of the future which only God knows. Any revelation of the future, in other words, is a word of wisdom, whereas a revelation of present facts or past events is a word of knowledge. You see, God is omniscient. He knows all things, but he doesn't reveal everything he knows. Uh, to man. He just reveals a portion, a word. A fragment of a sentence is a word. And so a word of wisdom is just a fragment of God's knowledge, the part that he wants us to know that, he, that we need to know. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about these gifts and it says that we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when what is perfect has come, then what is in part will be done away. And what is in part is the gifts of the Spirit. They are just parts or portions of God's grace. Uh, and so the word of knowledge is a portion of God's knowledge. It's not human knowledge, but divine knowledge. And it's, so it's supernatural. Now, it's not a natural gift. It's not human knowledge gained through study or experience or deduction. But rather, it's gained from God supernatural, so supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. We're going to 
focus on it and we're just going to look at many examples from the Bible of the word of knowledge. In Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus revealed to John the condition of the seven churches. He was exiled on the uh, uh, Patmos, so he didn't know what was going on in the churches, but Jesus described the condition of each of those churches with, those, uh, with a word of knowledge. Here, uh, we're going to go now to Acts chapter 9 and see how these revelation gifts work together. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here am I, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise, and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision he's seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. So the vision that Ananias had, and Saul had, that's the discerning of spirits. But within the vision was a word of wisdom which directed Ananias to go to the house of Judas. All right, that anything directive is a word of wisdom. And also in the vision is a word of knowledge about Saul's location. He was at that house, he says. And it also revealed that Saul was praying and that Saul had a vision of Ananias coming to pray for him to restore his sight. So all of that was a word of knowledge. Ananias was, it was revealed where Saul was, what he was doing, what he had experienced in the past, was all given to him through a word of knowledge. And later in verse 15, the Lord said to Ananias, go. Ananias complains, he doesn't want to go. He says, go, because Paul is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before kings, Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now that is a revelation of the future, of Paul's ministry in the future and what he would experience. So that is a word of wisdom. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that's the gifts of healings at work. In Acts chapter 10, we see the gifts are crucial in the outpouring of the Spirit uh, on the Gentiles. It says, so he, that's an angel, said to Cornelius, your prayers and your arms have come up for a memorial before God. Now that's a word of knowledge. He was telling him that God had heard his prayers, though Cornelius wouldn't have known that. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. That's a word of wisdom because that is directing Cornelius what to do. He's lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. Now that's a word of knowledge. It's telling him where Peter is to be found. And he, Peter, will tell you what you must do. And that's a word of wisdom. That's a prediction of the future. Now we can look at Peter's side of the story where God is also moving in the gifts of the Spirit using a word of knowledge to supernaturally confirm a directive word of wisdom. So He's asking Peter to do something by a supernatural thing and that was necessary because this was a, a something Peter didn't want to do. So he gives a confirmation through a word of knowledge. 
The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. He became very hungry and wanted to eat. And while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object, like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. And this vision is the discerning of spirits. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision he had seen meant. Behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Now, that is the word of knowledge. Supernaturally, that three men are at the door. Peter wouldn't have known. He was on the roof. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, Doubting nothing, for I have sent them. That is a word of wisdom. He's directing Peter to go into the house of a Gentile, and that was difficult for a, for a, for a good Jew to do at that time. So we see a word of knowledge. It can be given through an angel, it, through a vision, through a prophecy, or just an inward revelation in your heart. One thing that a word of knowledge does is convict of sin. Not to condemn but to help somebody to humble themselves and repent and receive grace. Um, I remember John Wimber talked about one time he saw the word in a vision, adultery, on some, a man's forehead. And then that was the word of knowledge. He then said to the man, are you committing adultery? And that opened that man up to hear the gospel. In, Jesus did this in John chapter 4. He said to this woman at the well, Whoever drinks of the water I'll give him will never thirst, but the water that I'll give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into eternal life. The woman said, Give me this water that I may not thirst, or come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. In a very gentle way, he's going to give her a word of knowledge now that will open up her heart. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You've well said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. And that's a word of knowledge which convicted her. And she said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. And so the gift of the Spirit opened her heart up. All the intellectual arguments wouldn't have done it, but that one gift of the Spirit opened her heart up, the word of knowledge. As a result, she left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things I ever did. And that's the word of knowledge. It revealed everything she's done. He read her mail, as it were. The word of knowledge reveals the innermost thoughts of a man's heart. And that really shows a man that God knows him and brings him under the awareness of God's presence. John 2 says that Jesus didn't commit himself to them because he knew all men. He had no need that anyone should testify of man because he knew what was in man. And God revealed the secrets of the heart when necessary to Jesus. He knew that about Judas. It says in John 6, Did I not choose you the twelve and one of you is a devil? He knew what was going on in the hearts of his critics in Matthew 9 when they brought him a paralytic. Um, the four men lowered the paralytic through the roof and he saw their faith and he said, your, son, your sins are forgiven you. And then the scribes, looking on, said within themselves, they didn't say it out loud, they said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, 
said, why do you think evil in your hearts? How did he know that? He knew it by a word of knowledge. And, and this is what was talking about in 1 Corinthians 14. It's, he says, if all prophesy and an unbeliever or uninformed person comes in, he's convinced by all. He's convicted by all. Thus the secrets of his hearts are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. He said, as they're prophesying and words of knowledge are coming out about different people, so it will bring them into conviction because they know that God is here and it make that awareness of God causes them to repent. A fascinating one is in John 1 with Nathaniel and Philip is trying to get Nathaniel to come to see Jesus. And so he, when he saw Nathaniel coming toward him, Jesus said, Behold an Israelite indeed, in other words a true Israelite, in whom is no deceit. That's a play on words because the word Jacob means deceiver or supplanter. But when his name was changed to Israel, that meant he had now become right with God. God was his, his, his Lord. And actually, as we're going to see, Nathaniel was actually meditating on Jacob becoming Israel. Um, he had been meditating under a fig tree. And now Jesus says, an you are an Israelite indeed. And Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? So Jesus discerned his heart and what he'd been meditating about. How do you know me? And Jesus said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. He didn't see him with his natural eyes, he saw with his spiritual eyes. He knew he was under the fig tree. That's a word of knowledge. And this opens up Nathanael's heart. And he says to him, Rabbi, you're the son of God, you're the king of Israel. And Jesus said to him, because I said you, I saw you under the fig tree, just that simple word of knowledge, do you believe? You will see greater things. He said, I, I say to you, hereafter you'll see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now why did Jesus say that? Because Jacob, this Nathaniel had been meditating on Jacob and particularly on the vision of Jacob's ladder. And that's what he'd been meditating on and how Jacob had turned into Israel. And now Jesus is saying, what you're meditating on, I am the fulfillment of that. And so by a word of knowledge, Jesus revealed the secrets of his heart and discerned his inward character. Another interesting word of knowledge is in Genesis chapter 9, when Noah gets drunk. And Ham, the, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Now, what's going on here is that when somebody's in rebellion against their father or, or someone in authority, they look for any opportunity for that authority to fail so that they can make fun and expose it. And this was the state of Ham's heart was revealed by Noah getting drunk. And rather than covering his shame, he exposed it to his brothers and laughed at his father. But the other two brothers had a different attitude. They took a garment, laid it on their shoulders, went backward so as not to see their father in that way and covered his nakedness, his shame. Their faces were turned away and didn't see their father's nakedness. They didn't want to dishonor him, you see. So Noah awoke from his wine and he knew, he knew what his younger son had done to him. And so he knew by a word of knowledge and actually he uh, then gave a, a, a prophecy and a word of wisdom, a 
which was not good for, for uh, Canaan. A word of knowledge is, is very much a gift that goes with being a Bible teacher. I've found as I've tried to, to understand uh, the Word of God to teach to others that I'm, something's not clicking and then supernaturally, I can't claim that it's God's, uh, it's, it's my deep study that did it, but supernaturally God will give me that knowledge, that understanding um, of what the scripture is and I see how things work together and sometimes it's from study but sometimes that moment of inspiration I know is a word of knowledge. The supernatural sign, it can be used as a supernatural sign confirming that God is talking through a servant. There's a fascinating story in 1 Kings 14.1 which says that uh, at that time Abijah the son of Jeroboam became sick that's the king. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Please arise, disguise yourself, that they may not recognize you as the wife of Jeroboam, and go to Shiloh, because he was an evil king. He didn't want to be recognized, but he wanted to find out from the prophet if he was going to live. Go to Shiloh, indeed, Ajah, the prophet is there, who told me I'd be king over this people. Take with you ten loaves, some cakes, and a jar of honey, and go to him, and he'll tell you what will become of the child. So they wanted to know if the child would survive, but they didn't want to give away his, their identity because they thought that would bias the prophet, that he'd give a negative word. And Jeroboam's wife did so, and she arose and went to Shiloh and came to the house of Ajah. But Ajah could not see, for his eyes were glazed by reason of age. Now the Lord said to Ajah, Here is the wife, the Lord had said to Ajah, Here is the wife of Jeroboam coming to ask you something about her son, for he is sick. So in other words, God showed him with a word of knowledge that this, this woman, who seemed to be an ordinary woman, was actually the king's wife. And they're coming to ask about the son. So the prophet knew in advance. Thus and thus you shall say to her, for it will be that when she comes in, that she will pretend to be another woman. And so it was, when Ajah heard the sound of her footsteps as she came through the door, he said, Come in, wife of Jeroboam, why do you pretend to be another person? For I have been sent to you with bad news. Go tell Jeroboam the message. And so, by giving a word of knowledge, he demonstrated that he, God was speaking through him, through that supernatural sign. The word of knowledge can be used to encourage a discouraged servant. In 1 Kings 19, after the great contest on Mount Carmel, um, Jezebel put the frighteners on uh, Elijah and he ran for his life. And then he complained to God saying, I've been so zealous for you, Lord. The children of Israel have all forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. And then God puts him right with a word of knowledge. He says, actually, you're not the only one. Elijah, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, who all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. In other words, there is a word of knowledge that God had 7,000. That's knowledge that, that only God knew. The word of knowledge is used to expose a sinner, a liar. In 2 Kings 5, Naaman, the, the, the Syrian commander, was healed by dipping in the Jordan seven times. And as a result, he offered Elijah a huge sum of money, but Elijah refused. But his servant Gehazi was greedy. And so he ran after the, the general and lied, and then received the money for himself. And of course, verse 25, he hid it from Elijah, 
Elisha, and he said, Now he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, Where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant didn't go anywhere. Then he said to him, Did not my heart go with you when the, when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence leprous as white as snow. And so Elisha saw what Gehazi was doing. And that by a word of knowledge, God showed him the sin of his servant. And then by the gift of faith, he pronounced judgment upon, upon him. And he, the leprosy came upon him. The word of knowledge can be used to warn of the enemy's plan. In 2 Kings 6, we see the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom working together. It says, The king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. If we look at verse 12, we see that um, Elisha the prophet tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your own bedroom. In other words, the king of Syria uh, makes his plans with his generals and Elisha, by the word of knowledge, he knows exactly what the king of Syria is planning. That's the word of knowledge. And, and so what happened in verse 9, the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, beware, you do not go to that place for the Syrians are coming down there. So by the word of knowledge, he knows the Syrians are coming there. So he gives a word of wisdom to the king and says, make sure you don't go there. And the king actually checks it out and finds it's true. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria is greatly troubled by this because he thinks, you know, somebody's spying and telling the king of Israel all of this. And then he's told, no, it's Elisha, actually. He tells the king of Israel, even the very words you speak. So that's the word of knowledge in operation that reveals the king's plan. So again, if there's a plan of the enemy, sometimes it could be vital to know through a word of knowledge what's going on. The word of knowledge is used to recover lost property in 1 Samuel 9. That's when the donkeys of Saul's father were lost. And so Saul goes out looking for these donkeys and goes everywhere, can't find them. And then they decide to consult Samuel. And in verse 19, Samuel says, I am the seer, go up before me to the high place, for you'll eat with me today and tomorrow I'll let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. That's the word of knowledge. But as for the donkeys that were lost three days ago, don't be anxious about them, for they've been found. In other words, the word of knowledge, those donkeys have been found. And then the word of knowledge was used to discover a man in hiding in 1 Samuel 10, because that was Saul again. As they were uh, in the public assembly, Samuel was choosing out Saul as king, and supernaturally they were bringing it down to the tribe, and Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. Now Saul already knew that, in fact, he was the chosen one. But when they sought him, they could not find him, because Saul was hiding. He was so afraid of being singled out and being made the king. And so they inquired of the Lord further, has, uh, has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, yes, there he is, hidden among the equipment. So they ran and brought him from there. And so you see the word of knowledge reveals where something is hidden. A word of knowledge can be used in the healing ministry. 
because you, but to identify a certain sickness. And if, some, if, if that is accurate, then the person knows, hey, God knows that I'm sick in that way, and that releases his faith to receive his healing. The word of knowledge can encourage holiness through a dis discipline. Ananias and Sapphira in, in Acts 5, you know the story that Ananias and Sapphira uh, sold the uh, house or possessions and they kept back some of it for themselves, there's nothing wrong with that. But they claimed that they gave it all to the church and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter then knew by a word of knowledge that they were lying. And he says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. The Holy Spirit is God. And he had lied to God. So this was a word of knowledge. Peter knew supernaturally that they were lying. And then, of course, Ananias falls down dead. And Sapphira too. And this was an exemplary judgment. God doesn't always treat hypocrites that way. But by doing this act, God reveals what he thinks about them. Because there is no creature hidden from his sight. Well, the word of knowledge actually was used to reveal the creation, the fall of Satan in Ezekiel 28. That is all revealed by a word of knowledge to past events. 2 Samuel chapter 12, it shows the power of a word of knowledge when Nathan said to David when he sinned with Bathsheba and he stole Uriah's wife and then arranged for Uriah's death and Nathan did that uh, and, and told a story and then says, you are that man. David had said, you know, that man deserves to die in that story. And he says, you are that man. You killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You took his wife to be your wife and have killed him with a sword. And that brings David to repentance. Only God knew, knew that. Only God and David knew that. But by the word of knowledge, it was exposed. And then finally, in Daniel 2, the king has a dream. And he tells his interpreters not only to interpret the dream, but to tell him what the dream was, because he'd forgotten it. And he was about to kill them all, because they couldn't do it. And then Daniel comes up, and he reveals the dream that the king had. And he revealed that by the word of knowledge. And then he gave the interpretation of the dream, and that was the word of wisdom, revealing what would happen to future empires. What an amazing gift the word of knowledge is. I'd like to introduce you to three of my special books on prophecy. This one, The Seven Times of the Gentiles, shows how there's a prophecy that predicts the rebirth of Israel in 1948 and the recapture of Jerusalem in 1967. Then I have one about the imminent invasion of Israel that speaks how Ezekiel prophesied a dramatic invasion from the north and that's going to happen any time now and uh, you need, we need to be ready for that. And then the signs in the heavens describes all the signs in the heavens in the Bible and it applies to prophecy too. So you can get these books at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by phoning 01865 515 You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. 
You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk where you can also make a donation to our ministry or contact us on 01865 515 086.